welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It is Thursday, and we are in the beginning stages of the top 10 science fiction radio shows of the 1950s. We did uh, Mars is Heaven a couple weeks ago, took a break for Thanksgiving, and now we're back with another classic science fiction program from the 1950s. There wasn't a lot of science fiction done on radio in the 40s. It kind of really kicked into gear in uh, the early 50s with Dimension X and then in the mid-50s with X-1. That all coincides with the space race and all the things going on at NASA in the 50s to get ready for the ultimate landing on the moon in the late 60s. But anyway, the, the American public became very interested in making science fiction reality and bringing a man to the moon and exploring space and all those kind of things. But in the meantime, the writers who liked the whole concept of all this were creating radio programs and, and short stories for magazines, all with a science fiction bent to them. X-1 was the second of the great science fiction shows. This one is an episode uh, from, let's see, January 18th, 1956. It's called Parigi's Wonderful Dolls, and I will leave it to the show to explain what that's all about, but I think you'll like it. So, here, from January 18th, 1956, Parigi's Wonderful Dolls, and when we get done with that, I have a question to answer from someone who asked a question, and you can ask questions too. We'll give you a way to do that at the end of the show. But anyway, I have a question to answer on uh, what were my first early experiences in listening to radio, and I will give you that answer right after Parigi's Wonderful Dolls. X minus five, four, three, two, Minus one, fire. Tonight, George Leffert's original radio drama of the 21st century, Parigi's Wonderful Dolls. The doll shop stood on a quiet Washington side street, not too far from the sprawling Pentagon building. A woman and a child waited outside, the little girl peering eagerly through the window at the dolls inside, and the woman glancing impatiently at her wristwatch, as if expecting someone who was late for an appointment. And there was nothing about the doll shop to warn them that they were waiting to keep an appointment with doom. <laughs> Yes, what is it, dear? In the window of the shop, the tiny dolls. Oh, Mommy, do you think Daddy will buy me one? Well, we'll ask him when he comes, dear. He said three o'clock on this call. I see him, Mommy. There he is. Oh, Henry, here we are. Hello, dear. Hi. Sorry I'm late. Well, we've been waiting for you. Cindy's been telling... I'm afraid I'll have to call off the shopping, Alma. Oh, Henry, we promised... Yes, I know. I'm sorry. It's just one of those things. You've been the wife of an army colonel long enough to know his life isn't his own. What is it this time? Oh, some more of that flying sphere nonsense. The pilot who says he sighted it last month crashed and was killed today, so the general wants a full report. 
dear, what next? Daddy! We'll have a staff meeting at the Pentagon at 3.15. Daddy, look in this window. Oh, I haven't time, dear. Just for a minute, Daddy, please. Indeed. I haven't time to stop and watch a bunch of six-inch dolls parading around in the shop. <laughs> Say, they are lifelike, aren't they? Look at that, Alma. Dolls are marching around like a regular review. <laughs> They've even got their own little band. Henry, your staff meeting. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've got to run. Now, look, don't go spending a lot of money on that nonsense, Alma. <laughs> no, dear. Bye. Bye, dear. Bye, Cindy. Bye, Daddy. Oh, Mommy, look. Look, the band's going to play. <laughs> Aren't they wonderful, honey? You know, it's funny. I must have stood on this corner a thousand times, and I've never even noticed this shop before. Good evening, children. Oh, uh, well... Well, good evening. <laughs> Mommy, he talks awful funny. Hush, Cindy. Would you like to step inside the shop of Santor Perici? Well, yes, we would. This way. Oh, Mommy, it's like... It's like there. Here in the shop of Santor Perici, creator of Perici's universal, wonderful dolls, the world of adult reality is blended with the world of child's fantasy. This is a new shop, isn't it, Mr. Perigi? What is new and what is old? Come, this way. Would you like to meet one of my little ones? Oh, yes. This one in the red jacket is Toto. Speak, little one. How do you do? How do you do? Well, How do you do? Wonderful. Mommy, he talks. The dolls talk. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That is nothing for Perigi's wonderful dolls. Listen. Sing, Toto. Sing for the little girl. Listen. Sing, Toto. Men are big and tall. Dolls are very small. When men begin to fall, the dolls will rule them all. Oh, Toto, Well, how do they work, Mr. Perigi? How do they work? Ah, that is the secret of the great Perigi, greatest of all doll masters. To make an ordinary doll is nothing. <laughs> to make a perfect replica, that is something. But to make a doll with intelligence... That is the work of an artist, huh? Well, yes. Well, they must be very expensive. Madame, when I construct a doll like Toto, I cannot bear to be parted from him permanently. So instead of selling, I rent my little people. You rent dolls? Precisely. Ten dollars. I have but one request. When you grow tired of my dolls, you must return them to me in good condition. Oh, Mommy, could we take him home? Take him home! Take him home! Take him home! <laughs> oh, look, Mommy, look! He's bowing and dancing. <laughs> oh, Mommy, he wants to come. Please, I'll take such good care of it, please. Well, honey, we'll, we'll have to deal with your father later, but... Well, oh, Mommy! All right, wrap him up, Mr. Brigie. Oh, dear, I have a feeling when your father comes home, we'll be sorry. Be sorry, be sorry, be sorry, be sorry! <laughs> Toto, my room is, and you're going to sleep right here next to my pillow. <laughs> oh, Toto, don't laugh like that. I'm going to have to teach you some manners. <laughs> you be quiet, because my daddy will be home soon, and he's a colonel in the army, and, and he'll bust you to private if you don't behave. Now, you wait here. I'm going to introduce you to my puppy dog, Mr. Blister. So be good now. Here, Blister. Here, Blister. Come on, Blister. Come here. Mr. Blister, now this is Toto. Oh, dear, I don't think Mr. Blister likes you too Stop it, Mr. Blister. Come over here and shake hands with Toto, Mr. Blister. Come on now. Mr. Blister, let him go. 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 Let him go.
tried to bite my doll. Look how frightened Toto is. Dolls don't get frightened, Cindy. But he is, Mommy. He screamed. You just imagined it, honey. But he did. He did. Well, Mr. Blister didn't mean it. You know he's the gentlest little pup alive. He isn't. He's nasty and I hate him. Cindy, you've hurt his feelings. Okay. He tried to bite my new doll and I don't ever want to see him again. Ever. Oh, dear. All right, Mr. Blister, you come downstairs with me. Come on now, Cindy's angry at you tonight. I'll kill him. Why, Cindy, where did you... Where did you hear a thing like that? Toto said it. Well, I see. Well, you've had an exciting day, honey. You brush your teeth now and go to bed. Daddy's coming home late, so we'll see you in the morning. Hmm? Good night, darling. Sleep well. I hate him, Mr. Toto. I hate him. Hate him, hate him, hate him, hate him. Good morning, Alma. Breakfast ready? Just a minute. How was the staff meeting last night, dear? A oh, horrible bore, as usual. Where's the little one? Up in her room. She'll be down in a minute. Oh, sir, remind me to take some papers back to the war department, will you? Mm -hmm. I left them in my strong box. Henry? Hmm? You told me it was against regulations to bring secret papers home. Well, I had to finish some work for the old man. Nobody will ever know the difference. Well, I suppose not. Oh, dear, would you feed the puppy before we sit down? His bowl's under the sink. Uh, where is he? See, that's funny. Here's a supper from last night, only half-eaten. Getting fussy. Blister? Here, Blister. Blister! Where the dickens is that mutt? Maybe he's on the back porch. Oh, maybe. Here, Blister. Here, Blister. Alma. Mm -hmm. What is it, dear? Alma, look. Why, Henry. Is he... Yes, he's dead. But, but how? What happened? From the looks of it, he might have been poisoned. Poisoned? Who on earth would do a thing like that to an innocent little pup? I don't know. Let's see his dish. Oh, Henry. I don't understand this at all. Say, what's this? What's what? Well, look, there are pieces of broken glass in his food. Blue glass. Glass? Glass. Henry. Huh? Well, I, I, I just remembered something. What? It may just be coincidence, but in the bathroom this morning... What about the bathroom? Cindy's blue glass, you know, the one with the Mickey Mouse on it. Mm -hmm. It was broken, Henry. I found pieces in the wastebasket. I meant to ask her about it. Oh, well, Alma, for heaven's sake, you aren't suggesting that our little girl... Why, she loved Blister more than anyone. Not last night, she didn't. Why not? Well, he... he oh, he went after Toto. Well, who's Toto? Oh, her new doll. You bought her one of those dolls? Well, I just rented it. Rented it? Yes. Look, Alma, I... Oh, no. Oh, well, all right. Well, what's this got to do with Blister? Well, he went for the doll, and Cindy... Well, well, Cindy said... Henry, she said she'd kill him. What? Well, that's ridiculous. It's true. Good heavens, a nine-year-old child putting ground glass and dog food? She'd have to be a monster. Mommy! Now, don't say anything. I'll talk to her. Good morning, dear. Morning, Mommy. Morning, Morning, Daddy. Hello. What's the matter? 
Uh, nothing, Cindy. Sit down, dear. Cindy, uh, your mother tells me you broke your blue drinking glass. Oh, no, I didn't break it. Now, Cindy. I didn't. Well, now, somebody broke it. It wasn't your mother and it wasn't me. Well, then it must have been Toto, Cynthia. Cindy, you know Toto was only a doll. Now, a doll couldn't have broken your glass, could he? Well? But he must have done it, Daddy. Cindy, you know how Daddy feels about little girls who tell untruths. I'd hate to think you'd done something you knew was wrong and you were blaming it on a doll. What's the matter with Mr. Blister? Is he, is he sick? He's dead, Cindy. Oh, no, he, he can't be dead. He isn't dead, Daddy. No, he isn't. He isn't. Mommy, I... Yes, dear. But he'll come back. He, he has to come back. No, he won't come back, honey. Not ever. No, Cindy, not ever. <laughs> Now that we've told you, Cindy, do you want to change your mind about the glass? Let me let her alone. Daddy, you think I killed him? see what you've done. The child feels guilty enough, Henry. Oh, dear, this is no time for feelings to interfere. Feelings don't really matter. When they come, they just come. You go up to your room, honey. Daddy and I'll be up in just a minute. I don't want to. Please, Cindy. We'll be right up. Please? There, that's a good girl. And close the kitchen door behind you. Listening to NBC Radio's award-winning science fiction series, X-1. Now we return to X-1 and Perigi's Wonderful Dolls. Eat your supper, dear. I'm not hungry. Oh, Cindy, you scarcely touched your lunch. I don't feel like eating. Is it, Mr. Blister? Cindy, answer your mother. Now, Henry, she'll work it out in her own way, dear. Oh, I don't know. When I was a boy, there was such a thing as discipline. Where this child is being brought up... Henry! Well, it's true. There's no respect lying. Oh, I don't know. Alma, what's happened to us? We were a nice, peaceful, happy family until you bought that cursed doll. Now who's blaming things on the doll? Well, it's true. Henry. You wanted to get some papers from your strong box. What? Oh, yes, excuse me. Will you try to eat something, Cindy? Now, darling. Yes, Alma! Alma! Yes, Henry, what is it? Alma, it's gone. What's gone? The box, the strong box is gone. But it can't be. The door to your study's always locked, and you and I have the only key. I know all that, and I tell you it isn't there. But who would... I don't know, Alma. Those confidential reports, if they ever get into the wrong hands... Oh, I warned you about keeping them here. What if it ever came out in the open? Can't you see the papers? Army colonel, derelict in duty. Call the police, Henry. What, and throw my career in the wastebasket after 17 years? And we've got to find it ourselves. But it was there when I went in to clean this morning. Well, what about your key? Well, it's right here. I always keep it right with me. That's 
funny. Oh, no. But my other keys are all on the ring. You've lost it. I don't see how. Alma, how could you do it? Henry, please. Come on, we'll search the house. I can't think of anything else to do. Oh, dear, you're going to miss your staff meeting. Well, all right, never mind the meeting. My whole career goes up in smoke if we don't find those reports. Now, somebody get hold of your key and open that room. I know Cindy. Oh, let the child alone. She's been through enough. You know she wouldn't do a thing like that. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know my own child. I don't even know you. All I know is that strong box is gone with papers that are dynamite if the wrong person gets them. The question being who? What's that? Coming from upstairs. I... Dodo, Dodo, Dodo! Kill him, kill him, kill him! <laughs> How do you do? Stop How it! How do you do? How do you do? Blasted little <laughs> imp! There. Henry. But since we've got this thing... Henry! What? Look. Where? What? Around the doll's neck. The key. The key to your study. It was Cindy, after all. I don't believe it. Ever since she got this fool doll, she's been acting half insane. First the dog, now this. I think she hates us, Alma. Henry, Cindy is my child, and I know her. I know she's a good, sensitive little person with, with no malice in her. You're just simply refusing to face the facts, dear. What are you going to do? I'm going downstairs and have a talk with that young lady. <laughs> Cindy, you're not telling me the truth. Oh, yes, I am, Daddy. Now, all I'm asking is that you tell me the truth. Now, where is it? I didn't take it, Daddy. Honest, I didn't take it. I suppose you're going to tell me now that a little six-inch doll took my strong box and hid it. Well? Cindy, I'm speaking to you. I didn't take it, Daddy. You don't understand. Toto did it. Oh, he's terrible, awful. He says things. He says he's going to kill everybody. Oh, Cindy, you're inventing things. It's true. At night when I'm sleeping, he stands next to my pillow and, and whispers things to me. Awful things. He told me he'd kill me, too, if I told him. Alma, I think this child is sick. I think she needs a doctor. She's frightened, Henry. She's trembling like a leaf. Come on, darling. We'll go up to your room. I don't want to no, go up honey, there. Mommy will stay with you. I'm afraid. He's up there. Who, Cindy? Toto. Well, he won't be up there for long. Mr. Toto is going right back to Parigi's wonderful doll shop before I lose my sanity, which means right now. Ah, Colonel Grayson. Welcome to the home of Parigi's wonderful doll. Are you Parigi? Santor Parigi, creator of the universal doll. The doll with the mind. The doll Yes, with... well, I'm returning one of your masterpieces. Oh? If you will step into the rear of my shop. Now, what is the complaint? There's no complaint. Here's your doll. Good riddance. My little Toto, rejected. You found the world of men too filled with hate. Hate, 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 hate! We will change all that later on. Return to your comrades in the window, little one. And now, Colonel Grayson? I think we have no further business, sir. Ah, but we do, Colonel. Let me see. Aye, here it is. Do you recognize this, Colonel? That's my strong box. Where... My little Toto is very clever, sir. Are you trying to tell me your doll stole that from me? Let us not say stole. I'm merely keeping it in custody. What's your game, Parigi? Blackmail. You give me what I want, I do not ruin your career. Now, what do you want? Information. We already know something from the reports of the War Department. 
reported by one of your pilots. What government do you represent? I represent Pirigi's wonderful dolls, none other. I'm not so naive, sir. Perhaps I should explain. Each man hides something from the world. Each man loves something more than life. With the help of my wonderful dolls, I obtain personal information which enables me to control the men who control the world. Men like you. Hand over that strong box. I warn you, I have a gun. Give it to me. You are being foolish. Put down that walking stick. Now. No closer. Now. Hello. Give me the police. Hello. This is Colonel Henry Grayson. I've just killed a man. Parigi's doll shop, corner of 4th and Lexington. The body is in the rear. I'll wait for you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, you little fiend. Colonel Grayson. Did I hear you speak? Well, it can't be. I must be going out of my mind. A six-inch dog. Shut up! The master's dead! You are mistaken, Colonel. I, Toto, am the master. What do you mean? If you will examine the body of Santo Parigi, you will see that he does not bleed. And he does not bleed, Colonel, because Santo Parigi never lived. Never lived? Santo Parigi is a doll. A doll? But... He's a man. He talks. He walks. The people of Meritrix are skillful doll builders. Meritrix? Doll builders? Who are you? I am Xanthus Imperator, commander of the legions of the third planetoid. Meritrix. Legions? Planetoid? My people and I, whom you regard as dolls, come from a tiny planet beyond the moon. What? So small that it cannot support our population. That's true. We landed one of our space spheres on Earth. Three months ago, with the intention of colonizing. Unfortunately, one of your pilots intercepted us. So that's why you wanted our information. Precisely. And you are human? Quite human. Of course, in order to deal with Earth people without suspicion, we were forced to construct Pirici, a man-sized doll. No, it can't be. I can't believe this. I'm, I'm having hallucinations. I've got to get out of here. That will be impossible. I phoned the police. They'll be here soon. By the time they arrive, my people will have prepared something quite shocking. <laughs> Keep me covered, Brian. Okay, Sarge. All right. You the guy who turned in the call? Yes, that's right, Sergeant. Where's the body? Well, you see, it, it isn't exactly a body. What do you mean? It's a doll. What? Now, wait, you've got to let me explain. I know this sounds fantastic, but I've stumbled onto an unbelievable plot. Yeah? Keep talking. Well, you see, these little dolls, they, they aren't really dolls. They're, they're tiny people. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a big doll named Santor Parigi. They're using him as a front to run the shop. He's off his trolley, Sergeant. Now, now, look here. Now, I... listen, mister, we got a call that there was a murder here. Now, if there was one, where is the body? Well, it's behind the curtains. In the back. Only, you see, it isn't really a body. It's a, a big wax dummy. It's, it's all part of their plot to gain control of the world. Holy smoke, he's really off his rocket. Now, look, if you don't believe me, I'll prove it to you. Come here. Look behind this curtain and you'll see the dummy lying on the floor. Welcome, gentlemen. Are you looking for something? Parigi. 
This is impossible. I smashed his skull. Do you know this guy? That's the one, the doll. What's your name, mister? Pirigi, Dantor Pirigi, creator of the universal doll. Uh-huh. You ever see this man? Never until just now. That's not true. He's lying. I tell you, he's nothing but a big doll. The real masters of the little dolls. Ryan, are you getting this? He's wacko, Sarge. No, no he's I... a fruitcake. I'm not crazy, I tell you. I can prove it. They must have fixed up his head where I smashed it in. Touch him and you'll see. Mr. Perigi, you know what this guy is talking about? The man is demented, obviously. No, that's not true. I tell you, there's a plot to control the Earth. I've got to call the War Department. They want to know about the flying sphere. Holy I... mackerel, this gets worse every minute. Ryan. Take him to headquarters. No, no, save this... some time. Take him down to psycho ward. Okay, all right, Buck oh, Rogers. Come along nice and quiet. No, don't you see? He's nothing but a man-sized yeah, doll. Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> and the little ones are going to take over the Earth, and you're going away and cut out some... Listen to me. You've got to... Sorry you had all this trouble, Mr. Parigi. Poor chap. He is obviously suffering from delusions. Well, he's not the only one in Washington today. You know, we've been getting a whole string of crack-ups lately. Big wigs blowing their tops under pressure. If you could see some of the names in our confidential files... You keep confidential files on cases like this? Certainly. Believe me, they'd be dynamite if they ever got in the wrong hands. Well, I- I'd better be running along. I- Hello, <laughs> My little girl would be nuts for that. So? Then please accept the doll for saving my life. That madman might have killed me. Yes, but I... Take uh... Toto home with you as a gift. Well, now, I don't know, Mr. Parigi. It's against regulations for us to accept favors. But this I... is not for you. It is for your little daughter. And if you will only take the doll and give him a good home, you will be doing me a great favor. Well, then, if you insist, and, and thanks very much. <laughs> when my kid sees this, will she be surprised? Yes, Toto will come as a great surprise. A very great surprise. Hey, Toto? This was from the world of... X minus one. Tonight's story, Parigi's Wonderful Dolls, an original drama written for NBC Radio by George Leppertz. Featured in the cast were Denise Alexander, Joan Alexander, Les Damon, Joe DeSantis, and Leon Janney as the doll Toto. Music by Al Behrman, narration by Norman Rose. Tonight's program was directed by Edward King, executive producer Robert Wogan. Okay, there you go. Parigi's Wonderful Dolls from X-1, January 18th, 1956. Number two in our series of top ten science fiction shows, and we're not in any particular order, we're just doing ten, so we're going to ask you to put them in order later, but for now we're just going down uh, ten shows in no particular order, and you can vote later as to which you think are the top ten in order. Uh, I had a, a question from someone about... When I first started getting involved with listening to vintage radio shows, um, I am 62 years old. I did not hear any of these programs when they were first broadcast back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. I don't remember radio drama at all from my childhood because it wasn't there. Uh, The last radio shows to go off the air was 1962. I would have been four years old but I still have no memory of them because we probably didn't listen to them in my house uh, at that point. My growing up years, uh, the early part of that, would be 
the period from about 1965 to 71 or so. And during that time, I was a big fan of vintage films, still am. My favorites were Laurel and Hardy first, and then uh, the Marx Brothers came later in about 1970-71. In doing a lot of reading at the library and checking out books as a uh, preteen and teen, I checked out a lot of books on Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers, and in some of the Marx Brothers books, there were references to the Marx Brothers appearing on various radio programs. Not knowing what that meant, uh, I knew what television was, but didn't really know what radio was. I kind of investigated it a little bit, and one of the things I remember was hearing a commercial on the radio that there was going to be the 50th anniversary show for KFI. KFI was uh, a huge station and still is in the Los Angeles area. They had 50,000 watts and you could listen to KFI all over the West Coast and as far east as Colorado at night. They were going to have a 50th anniversary show and in their commercial for that, they listed a bunch of uh, celebrities that were going to be on the show uh, talking about their experiences working at KFI Radio in the past, one of which was Groucho Marx. And so I wanted to tune in and hear Groucho on the KFI 50th anniversary show. This would have been in 1971. So I listened to that, and there were a lot of other older um, radio type stars that appeared on that show as well. I don't remember all of them at this point. I have that recording somewhere. Maybe we'll play it someday. But anyway, from there, I thought, well, okay, I, I like this. I like uh, Marx Brothers. I like Laurel and Hardy. Let's, uh, let's see what else we can find about old radio. Let's see what that is. And it wasn't hard to find in the, in the early 70s in Los Angeles because there were a number of radio stations that were playing old-time radio, what they were calling old-time radio. Some were playing complete shows. Some were just playing excerpts. I remember one of the first ones used to be at 7 o'clock on KMPC Radio. There was a disc jockey named Roger Carroll who played kind of middle-of-the-road uh, music. But at uh, right after the 7 o'clock news, Monday through Friday, he brought on a fellow named Frank Brzee, and Frank Brzee would introduce what he called excerpts of programs from the Golden Days of Radio, and they called it the Golden Days of Radio Show. They would run anywhere from three to about eight minutes was about the longest excerpt they ever did, but it... Frank was pretty good at picking out things that would attract your interest, and with just a little three- to eight-minute segment, you'd want more, and so you'd tune in the next day for a different show, or you'd go off and investigate the shows some other way. So that's the first one I remember. Um, there were also other people. There was a radio station out of Northridge, California, KCSN, which came from Cal State Northridge. And there was a fellow on there who called himself Cousin Zeno. His real name was Harvey Tao. And here's a shout out to Harvey Tao because Harvey is one of the listeners to this podcast and comments frequently on it uh, on our Facebook page. I remember listening to, to Cousin Zeno many times. Uh, there was also a fellow on the same station named Kevin Stern who did it. There was a radical left-wing radio station down there called KPFK. Not sure if they're still on the air, but they were listener-supported radio. They're, they're the station that actually had um, 
the Symbionese Liberation Army on the air when they had kidnapped Patty Hearst and the FBI raided the station and there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on on KPFK Los Angeles. But they had a guy there who would come on at night, Jay Lacey, and he would play old-time radio shows. And as we move a little bit further down the line, Bob Lines and Barbara Watkins would appear on KCRW. So between all these stations, if you wanted to hear old-time radio in Los Angeles, you could hear it almost every day or every night. Somewhere in Los Angeles, somebody on some station was running it. That's pretty much all gone now. I think there might be one or two people still doing it down there, but I don't even know if that's right. I think most of it's moved to the Internet, and the radio stations don't do it anymore. But that's how I first heard old-time radio. I got to hear a lot of it that way. I also was a volunteer for Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters in Hollywood, which was a group of old-time radio actors, sound effects men, various production people, and they would get together for lunch every month and have a different guest that they honored, everyone from Ronald Reagan to um, just on and on. All kinds of celebrities were, would show up to these things, and I was one of the assistant engineers that worked at that luncheon every month and also in the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters Archive, which at that point was located at Sunset and Vine in the basement of what used to be NBC. In, it's not there now. The bank is still there, but the basement has been converted into something else and all the recordings and everything moved out of there but that's 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 that so anyway that answers the question and i'll take it up to modern day on another time but uh, for now there's the the at least somewhat if you if you grew up in southern california during that time you probably some of these names seem familiar to you and if they don't there's a history of southern california old-time radio playing and who did it and when okay Next week, we will have another great science fiction show, show number three in our top ten of science fiction shows. And next Tuesday, we'll have a comedy, drama, or variety show. So tune in again to the good old days of radio show. Tell all your friends. Spread this podcast far and wide and get get your friends to tune in as well. Okay, until then, this is John Tufteller saying goodbye. Goodbye.